Good evening, good morning, good day, whatever time of day it is for you and yours. This is Sir Truck Driver with another edition of Rolling On Dot Show. And uh, we are uh, currently out here and uh, just outside of our terminal in uh, Memphis, Tennessee. And we are kind of just hanging out for the night here. I have to uh, get up in uh, early in the morning and uh, make a delivery over and near Clarksville, Tennessee, and uh, just got some things to do here, so I figured I'd take a little bit of time while I'm on my downtime here to uh, knock out a uh, rolling on here. I've been kind of slacking. I wanted to get this done here earlier, but uh, it just, the, the holiday has been, uh, the holiday driving has just been completely and totally crazy here, so uh, we're going to start off with our holiday greetings. I want to wish everybody a, a Merry Christmas, even though Christmas has already come and gone. I didn't uh, think to wish anybody a Merry Christmas on the last one, so <laughs> we'll wish the uh, Merry Christmas, and uh, you, I will also wish you a very Happy New Year, hoping, hopefully that it will be a long and uh, just and prosperous one, and um, would, uh, hope you get whatever that is that you want uh, while you're uh, while you're working your butt off here. So uh, we are, as I already stated, uh, we are in uh, just outside of uh, Memphis, Tennessee, and we're uh, we have to uh, make a delivery tomorrow morning, and then uh, we have to pick up in uh, where am I picking up? Uh, Russellville, Arkansas. And I will be heading to uh, Pennsylvania. Um, as you can tell, I am in the truck, and you can probably hear the deep rumble in the background. That's the uh, refrigeration unit going. That's uh, set at uh, minus 10 uh, degrees Fahrenheit. And uh, I am trying to, or I have been trying to figure out how to uh, get that uh, get that taken care of, but. It just doesn't seem to really be working. There's only one even moderate, excuse me, <clears throat> one even moderate thing. Uh, I have um, uh, the microphone on a swing here, and I can, th this microphone is pretty directional, so if I turn it directly away from the, uh, from the reefer, it kind of gets quiet, but then I'm, the way I have the uh, microphone set up, I'm having to stand in the middle of the truck, and I'm not going to stand here for... <laughs> <laughs> 45 minutes or an hour however long it takes so uh i am uh, like i said i'm just trying to get that that get that taken care of here so uh what have i been doing here uh, for the last uh, couple of days uh, i've been uh, they've the company has kind of gotten me stuck on a uh, uh bouncing back and forth like a tennis ball between tennessee and arkansas um, I, I spent, uh, what did I spend Christmas Day at, uh, see, that was yesterday. Where did I spend that yesterday? Oh, uh, I spent most of it here, at, uh, once again, at the company terminal outside of uh, Memphis. 
Um, I uh, ended up having to uh, make an early, early, you know, midnight or one o'clock in the morning delivery over in uh, Searcy, Arkansas. And uh, so I spent the, the day before uh, taking a 10-hour break here, and then I uh, drove over a, a little bit after midnight, made my delivery, and then came back uh, to the terminal. Uh, I had a load sitting here waiting for me going back to uh, Tennessee. And I took a 10-hour break here, and uh, then I uh, and, and drive. Yesterday was actually pretty kind of nice. Um, yesterday was being Christmas. Um, I, I actually made pretty good time and didn't have uh, that much of a problem with traffic. I thought I was going to have a problem with traffic yesterday because uh, I, when I took uh, my break, I started out later in the afternoon. I would figure, well, you know, everybody's going to be going home to uh, going home to their parents and or you know going you know, leaving their grandparents or whatever with the grandkids and uh, you know or, or going out to dinner or something. But I made I made really good time crossing uh, from Memphis over to. Uh, over to uh, Knoxville. That's about a six-hour ride um, without any interruptions, and uh, I did I did a pretty good job. I was I was surprised. And then once again today, it's a little bit of a different story coming back from uh, from uh, Knoxville, coming uh, from Knoxville over to Nashville. It was just backed up, and it, everybody was moving. You know, traffic was moving right along, and but uh, it was just nose to bumper and. <laughs> Everybody's going along at 65 and 70 miles an hour, nose to bumper. It just, uh, my hair's a little whiter today. So <laughs> then I had this, the same thing running from Nashville over to Memphis. Once I got into Memphis, I hit Memphis at rush hour and it was, it was really quiet at rush hour. I've never seen, you know, on a, on a Tuesday, you know, uh, the, uh, the 40 between, uh, I-240 and the, uh, and the, um, Mississippi Bridge, there wasn't hardly any traffic on it. I was I was pleasantly surprised once I hit that, uh, and then you know crossing over into Arkansas, everything went really well. So, uh, but yeah, it's just uh, that's the way that uh, that traffic goes. Traffic is is kind of weird on the on the holidays. Last year, uh, or two years ago, um, during the middle of uh, COVID. Um, I remember coming up out of Florida. This was over Thanksgiving, and coming up into uh, out of Florida, coming up, uh, and I got into Atlanta. And I mean, everybody was supposed to be at home, and everybody was, you know, all, all sick and paranoid and masked up. I got to Atlanta, and the Atlanta Loop was just completely packed. It took me almost two hours. Uh, to get uh, to get uh, from uh, the south end of the uh, of Atlanta all the way to the north, and that's only like a you know twenty mile trip. And then last year, I did the exact same run, and I hit the bottom end of Atlanta at two o'clock in the afternoon on on on, on holiday, on on Thursday. I literally saw not one single car going either north or south around the two eighty five loop um, all the way from from the from the south side all the way up to the north side and <laughs> I'll, i don't think i'll ever see that again in my lifetime um but it just it was a, a very a, a very cool experience just being the only truck on the interstate just you know going going around there and <laughs> i really enjoyed it so uh we're going to look at a couple of little things here um we have to make an announcement here 
Um, in my last show, I announced that I had a new email address, and that I gave out. <laughs> I had just made it, and I gave out the wrong address. Um, I don't think whoever, if, if anybody's sending me uh, anything, it's getting bounced back. Uh, my correct <clears throat> my correct email address is shifting gears trucking show at gmail.com <laughs> I gave it I gave a different address uh, uh, last week and I, I feel like an idiot and a fool so we got that and um, also if you are boosting uh, this show stop um, right now um, I am having a problem with my connection to Alby which goes through uh, my podcasting host uh, blueberry and whenever <clears throat> I've done a couple of uh, test boosts and the boosts are there, the money is leaving my account and Blueberry is getting their share, but it is not getting to my GetAlby account. So those boosts are disappearing into thin air. I don't know where they're going. I'm not getting them. So it's just something that uh, you might want to be aware of. Um, I do have a, a email and to support at Blueberry, but with it being the holiday week, uh, I don't expect any kind of reply anytime soon because yeah, nobody wants to work on the uh, on the holiday. So which I can't blame them. So um, and I am also uh, I, I rather ashamed to have to make this announcement. <laughs> I have become a member of Twitter. Yes, it is a, a bad thing. <laughs> and not only did it did I do it once, I did it twice. <laughs> um, I do have a new Twitter account, uh, Shifting Gears, at uh, at Twitter or X or whatever it is you want to call it. And then I also made a uh, Twitter for uh, Rolling On Show. Uh, which is my uh, music show. That's my music podcast. Um, and that uh, they are both active. Um, I followed a bunch of people. I don't have any followers. I, I think I got one, one or two followers in return, but um, I'm not worried about it. It's Twitter. It's not anything to lose my hair about. Um, and speaking of uh, rolling on show, um, I did release a show over Christmas, and I did did a uh, did, did a one-off uh, with something that I don't ordinarily do. I just you know played a bunch of music. I no talking, all music, no talking at all, and it was all Christmas music. And I think it went off pretty well. Um, and uh, when I get uh, get around to recording a rolling on show, I'll go over the uh, sets uh, and boosts for that. Um, once again, I don't have any boosts here, so um, uh, for for shifting gear. So, if anybody has boosted, uh, thank you. But I haven't received anything, so I don't know what to do. And I think this is one of those cases where uh, support is non-existent. It's a Bitcoin thing. If you boost and you get the address wrong, or if something goes wrong, oops, tough. So. Uh, what, like I said, once I get that figured out and get with uh, get with Blueberry, I will see about getting that taken care of. And then uh, I did want to uh, talk a little bit about um, Ainsley Costello um, over uh, in the value, uh, V for V, the Value for Value Music Network. Um, she had a live concert uh, last 
on the well, she had two concerts. Uh, they were on twentieth and the twenty first of De- of December, and she did really well. Her and um, another uh, artist, I believe it was, his name was uh, Get Loud or um, something like that. I don't know who it was. I I didn't have anything. I didn't even have a chance to listen to the concert at all because I was busy working. But um, they made uh, what did they make here? Uh, looking at her Twitter post, um, she she uh, wants to thank everybody, and then she gives the numbers. The, the night one um, with the RSS uh, the, uh, sats that she received on night one was thirty. Uh, I'm sorry, three million six hundred fifty thousand eight hundred sixty-eight. That came from RSS. And then from uh, uh, sats coming from Noster was uh, 3,262,953. And then there was uh, some fiat donations, which got converted over to Lightning for 443,970 sats. Uh, night one total was 7,357,791 sats for, what, a 90-minute concert? <laughs> <laughs> that is absolutely impressive. And then on uh, night two, uh, via RSS, uh, she received 2,440,976 uh, through RSS. And then through Noster, she got another uh, 1,824,775 for a grand total of 4,265,751 sats. The, the total between the two uh, between the two nights was an, um, a staggering 11,623,542 sats and that uh, converts over to uh, at uh, current Bitcoin prices that uh, that converted over to uh, five thousand and eighty five dollars and twenty five cents as of 1222 and <laughs> you know for for a, for a, a small venue and I, I don't think that there was more than probably you know 25 maybe 50 guests that were invited um, it, it was everything was all done live and um, it, it just it, to have that kind of a response for an independent artist who does not have any kind of uh, professional representation. She has no, uh, to the best of my knowledge, she has no recording uh, contracts. Uh, she doesn't belong to any recording groups. You know, no BMG or uh, Universal Music or anything like that. She's one hundred percent independent. And to, to see that kind of a of a return uh, for for a very small venue with um, uh, with international. Uh, Broadcasting, it, it just it was it was amazing. And, you know, you don't see that kind of response in, in independent music at all ever. <laughs> it was very cool, and I I want to I want to give her my congratulations. It just is wow, you know that uh, it, that it was it was crazy. So uh, I'm hoping hoping I'm in the back channel on uh, on the V for V concerts, and uh, they are. The people that are do that are involved in this, they are figuring out whether or not they want to try it again, and see if they can get any more artists. There, everybody's trying to onboard more more artists into the V for V music uh, project anyway. So, which is a good thing. But uh, so it's 
it's it's a very cool very cool thing and i'm involved in that with my own show at uh, rolling on show uh, or rolling on dot show so if you want to listen to that and uh, if you want to find more music podcasts you can go to ln beats that's lima november beats uh, uh, dot com and uh, look at the music shows tab and there's a whole bunch of uh, different music shows that are there including mine and um uh let's see who else is there uh i don't have it pulled up here <laughs> on my screen uh let's see ln beats ln uh yeah there we are music shows let's see we have uh fair <clears throat> excuse me a uh, fairly fun show and uh, you have the big boy <laughs> the, uh, the 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 uh, the the big cap yeah the big uh, the big music uh, chow hound here uh, booster grand ball with adam curry and uh, then you have uh, it's a mood i believe that's mike newman um you got lightning thrashes with uh, colomona uh, meyer uh, or sir uh, sir Lieber, i believe is his other nick uh, you got Sats and Sounds with Kevin Bay. Uh, you got Sidestream Music Podcast. You got the Phantom Power Music Hour. Uh, Black Cat with uh, Riley. I don't believe he's released uh, in for a while, uh, so I don't know if he's active anymore or not. Um, you have uh, Upbeats uh, with Salty Crayon. He, that's a that's a good show. He's he does a really good show. Uh, and then you've got uh, Homegrown Hits with uh, Dame DeLorean. you got Mutton Mead Music uh, by uh, Austin Bergen. Um, I believe he's in, I'm not sure if he's in Vin- uh, Finland or in Norway or in Holland. I'm not, I'm not quite sure. Um, I, I know he said, uh, and some others have said, but it's, it, it's escaping me for the moment. And then uh, you have the DJ v, uh, V4V podcast, uh, and then Before the Schemes with uh, Booberry. That's a good show. That, that's a I, I enjoy listening to that. That's also fun when he kind of has a <laughs> technical issues <laughs> here, and I'm trying to work them out on the air. So <laughs> I enjoy that. So uh, you can go over to uh, that and uh, listen to uh, and. Uh, pick out all you know whatever it is that you want to listen to each of these uh, has their own independent sound um and you know i play a little bit more of a of a you know generally a a softer more soft rock or country rock or like that but you get uh, you know adam he's all high energy uh, with booster graham ball uh, lightning thrash that's all thrash metal and aso there's a there's a pretty good uh, a pretty good uh, cross section of uh, of uh, music across these uh, music shows so uh, give a chance and go over there and take a listen so uh, let's see I'm going to work on a couple of news stories here uh, first one I'm going to look at here is um, oh, which one was it here uh, end of an era for electronics giant Toshiba Toshiba is a uh, going through some changes i'm going to read this story off and it it, i'll I'll go into it at the end here but uh this is on uh, bbc.com british british broadcasting corporation um starts out uh there was a time when more than 
when more than one of your TVs, computers, speaker systems, or other essential electronic goods would have been made by Toshiba. Yeah, I've had a Toshiba laptop, and it was pretty good. Uh, once a poster boy for Japan's dominance in electronics, known as Japan Inc., the company has delisted, ending a 74-year history with Tokyo Stock Exchange. Uh, so why did one of Japan's most famous industrial names have such a spectacular fail from, or fall from grace? It started in 2015 when accounting malpractices across multiple divisions came to light, with many of them involving top management. For seven years, Toshiba had overstated its profit by $1.59 billion, or 1.25 billion euro. In uh, 2020, Toshiba found further accounting irregularities. So it sounds like they're investigating themselves. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know. I don't. That doesn't quite make sense because... You know, nothing, nothing like asking the uh, the, the the hounds to uh, or the coyotes to count the eggs in the hen house. So, uh, let's see. There were also allegations that related uh, related to corporate governance and the way in which shareholder decisions were made. An investigation in 2021 found that Toshiba had colluded with Japan's trade ministry, which saw Toshiba as a strategic asset to suppress the interest of foreign investors. Um, at the time, experts made foreign investors uncertain about investing in Japanese stocks, uh, making it not just a Toshiba problem, but an issue for Japan's entire stock market. Uh, in, two, in late 2016, Toshiba said it would take charge of several billion dollars related to the construction of a nuclear power plant in the U.S. unit Westinghouse Electric had bought a year earlier. Uh, three months later, Westinghouse filed for bankruptcy, leaving Toshiba facing a collapse of its nuclear business with more than $6 billion in liabilities. It sold off a slew of businesses, including mobile phones, medical systems, and white, uh, white goods. I don't know what white goods are. but uh, and then, then it was forced to put its chip unit, Toshiba Memory, up for sale, a deal that was delayed for several months over a dispute with one of its parties uh, or partners. Uh, see, at the time when companies were investing heavily in the future of technology and innovation, Toshiba was having to sell off a prized asset to raise cash. Toshiba managed to secure a $4.5 billion cash injection at the end of 2017 from overseas investors, helping it uh, to avoid forced delisting. They got a bailout. <laughs> Uh, see, but that meant active shareholders had more say in the direction of the company. That led to a protracted uh, that led to protracted battles that paralyzed the makers of batteries, chips, and nuclear and defense equipment. After a great deal of back and forth over whether the company should split up into smaller companies, Toshiba set up a committee to explore whether it could be taken private. In June 2022, Toshiba received eight buyout pro, uh, proposals. Earlier this year, the company confirmed it would be taken over by a group of Japanese investors led by state-backed Japan Investment Corp. for $14 billion. That means they're getting a government buyout. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, see, JIP does have a track record in carving out businesses from big manufacturers, including Sony's laptop division and Olympus's camera unit. Uh, it is not clear how the new owners plan to turn Toshiba around, but its outgoing chairman said he said ha has said high-margin digital services will be a focus. After acquiring Sony Vio's laptop business in 2014, it helped the company achieve record sales this last year. But Toshiba is a much bigger company, and the stakes are high. Toshiba employs around 106,000 people, and some of its operations are seen as critical to national security. So, yeah, national security. They got the uh, they got the government buyout, which yeah, well, you know. I suppose that's okay, but you know, all of this started. And Toshiba, you know, I've had a, lot of, a few Toshiba products over my uh, over my uh, over my lifetime. <coughs> One of the best ones that I ever had was a it was a Toshiba laptop, and unfortunately, I'd had that one probably about six months, and somebody broke into my truck and stole it, and I never managed to secure another one. So, but um, yeah, you know, all all of this comes and there's uh, one of the things yeah i haven't done a whole lot of investigating a whole lot of looking into this but one of the main things that i noticed noticed about it was um yeah like i said uh, earlier you know the uh, the they're investigating themselves you know toshiba ends up investigating itself are they actually going to find or be honest with anything and everything that they find you know, are they going to tell all the investors and potential suitors all of that? I don't think so. It comes down to honesty. And this is one of the things that, that bothers me about, uh, about the corporate world in general. Not just corporate America, but the, the, the corporate um, structure in civilized Western countries. Um, it's... Uh, let me see... I don't. I really don't know how to explain it, but it, other than to say that you know, honesty is is the best policy. You know, and if it ends up co costing you something, yeah, well, you roll with it. You know, ultimately that honesty will end up paying you back. But now, it's not going to really pay them back, except for being becoming a corporate, you know, a, a, a government, a, a corporate slave to the government. You know, when major corporations like Toshiba learn that dishonesty lies and government inclusion into its affairs, it's going to eventually lead to a downfall. And when it, this is all my opinion, of course, you know, none of this is really based in fact, you know, because I don't I don't do a whole lot of uh, a super huge amount of investigating like, uh, you know, Adam Curry and John C. Dvorak and their network of a producers do but uh, you know my opinion is you know anytime that you sell out to the government or you make contracts with the government or you include the government in in any part of your business strategy you're always gonna you're gonna lose in the end yeah no matter which way you want to look at it you know a lot of government is too big to fail these corporations are too big to fail yeah, they're they're too big to fail. But what happens when uh, it's not so much a failure, but um, they overextend, and all of a sudden profits of that are being turned you know, uh, by Toshiba over to the government? You know, that's supposed to be run for government uh, businesses. 
all of a sudden the government is taking that money and putting it into one of Toshiba's competitors, you know, and starting to work with you know anti-competitive uh, practices, you know, it, it, and and the government can do that because they're the government. It's legal. <laughs> There's an old saying: "It's good to be the king." Yeah, so it just it's just one of those. It's a story that I read, and I know I'm not being very, very good about explaining it, but it's just—it's one of those stories that I read. It just kind of made the hair on the back of my neck stand up. I can see nothing good happening from this. And once again, I don't know where you know how everything is has all been spun off, and so I don't know what Toshiba's actual business, you know, concentrated business is right now because yeah, you know, they had to sell off a bunch of stuff. Um, so I'd, I'd be. When you, when you go out and buy electronics, I would investigate your electronics purchases and see whether or not there's any businesses that are attached to, Tosh, uh, to Toshiba. And I wouldn't buy them because if government's involved in it, you never know what they're going to do with it. So, But that's just me being paranoid. That's just, you know, <laughs> Adam and John have taught me well. So, uh we're going to go to on to another story. This is probably our, our second, our really last story. This one's a kind of a, <laughs> I don't want to say a cute story, but it's, it's kind of disturbing. <laughs> and and uh, this is a, um, on Sky News. Um, it's a story. That, uh, scientists make VR goggles for mice so they can feel what it's like to be attacked by a bird. <laughs> Not not making this up. I'll put a link to it in the. Uh, <coughs> pardon me, I will uh, put a link to it in the um, in the show notes. <laughs> uh, let's see. Well, uh, gotta start reading this here. Upon noticing the simulated bird of prey, these terrified, bespectacled rodents ran faster on the treadmill used uh, during the test, or froze. Both of which are common in real responses to overhead threats. And this is by uh, Tom Akers, their technology reporter. (laughs) (coughs) Excuse me. Man, my throat is dry tonight. Uh, Story starts. Uh, Researchers have developed VR goggles for laboratory mice to simulate a life of freedom and then let them feel what it's like to be hunted by a bird. (laughs) No, it's not one April. These compact reality specs really have been custom-built to perfectly fit a mouse. Dubbed Miniature Rodent Stereo Illumination VR, I-M-R-S-I-V, the headgear is made up of two lenses and two screens split between both eyes to give the rodents an immersive 3D picture. Like VR for humans, the mice cannot see the outside world and are made to feel like they're somewhere else. But unlike the headsets we wear, which wrap around our heads, these perch uh, on the front of the mouse's face. Researchers from uh, Northwestern University in Illinois said by simulating a mouse's natural environment, they achieved greater understanding of their behavior. But until now, such efforts had been limited to flat screens that simply surround the mice. Uh, These screens cannot convey 3D depth, and the mice can still see parts of the laboratory peeking through. Uh, Study lead Daniel Dombeck, 
said the goggles help them engage with the environment in a more natural way. Another advantage, uh, researchers said, is they can simulate aerial threats like birds of prey. Researchers projected a dark expanding disc into the top of the goggles and at the top of the uh, mice's field of view. Upon noticing the disc, they either ran faster on the treadmill used during the test or froze, both of which are real common responses to overhead threats. Uh, study co-author John Issa said the team would also like to simulate scenarios of where the mouse is the predator. We could watch brain, uh, brain activity while it chases a fly, for example, uh, he said. That activity involves a lot of depth perception and estimating distances. Those are things that we can start to capture. Overall, the researchers found uh, the brains of goggle-wearing treadmill-running mice were activated uh, very similarly to free animals. They also learned more quickly and were better at completing tasks like finding rewards in a simulated maze. Hmm. <laughs> Mr. Dombeck holds, uh, hopes the goggles open the, for, uh, open the door to further research as they are relatively inexpensive and require less complicated laboratory setups than screen-based alternatives. They could also help gain new insights into how a human brain adapts and reacts to repeated VR exposure. The peer-reviewed research was published in the journal Neuron. So, this is the end of the story, but, uh, <laughs> it, you know, I, I'm, I'm certain that somebody has funded this. And I, I, well, I, I'm seriously wondering whether or not there's some, th you know, think tank group uh, funded, by, uh, funded by the government that isn't involved in this. Because this really does smack a lot of um, you know uh, 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 training. Yeah, you know, human beings already are. Uh, we already have VR, um, but we don't look at it to you know train ourselves for an actual threat. You know, we we use these VRs as a, as a source of entertainment, and when we're in our in our world of entertainment, there is no uh, sense of danger or anything like that. I'm wondering whether or not they're trying to develop this um, uh, to see whether or not uh, what it would take to give uh, to give a real sense of danger wearing a VR goggle, you know, for a human being. And and if they do something like that, why would they want to do that? You know, what is the end game here? I can understand uh, doing. Uh, looking at mice and trying to trying to figure out what makes them scared although you know that it really is uh common sense you know a mouse sees a bird he's either going to freeze or he's going to run for cover they don't need uh vr for that that's <laughs> but uh, you know if they're going to um use it to train you know what says that uh they can't start doing the same thing to human beings you know, if you're playing your uh, game, I don't know, I'm, I'm not involved in the VR thing, but if you're playing a game that's, uh, that has a VR um, interface to it, you know, what's to say that uh, you're not being trained um, you know, by you know, whoever it is that wrote the programming, whether or not they've been infiltrated by the government or by scientists or whatever, to, uh, to, to give you neural training because I mean you're, when you're in that kind of environment and you've got these goggles on your eyes it's, it's 
pretty much um, a, a direct sensor, a direct pathway to to your brain. Um, and it's been shown in a whole bunch of TV shows and a whole bunch of different movies. Somebody gets in the, in the VR, and then all of a sudden they they get start getting subliminal messages and and uh, you know they get brainwashed and their personalities get changed and you know all sorts of stuff like that. You know, it, I, I it it's it's almost like it is um, life uh, imitating art. Or, uh, hmm. uh, back in the 1950s, um, I, um, book writers like uh, Paul Anderson and um, I can't think of the names of some of the authors there. Um, uh, you know, the guys that wrote Starship Troopers. You know, the, the uh, all the stories from the 1950s that that uh, that that they that they wrote as a dystopian. Um, or he wrote as a warning to avoid a dystopian future. A lot of those stories, I believe, have been um, turned into a roadmap to where it is that where you know, by by the by the government or certain elements. <coughs> excuse me. Um, that are that want to control. You know, they they took these stories and. Um, yeah. Now the 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 the, uh, the idea of technology um, was introduced in these stories that is becoming in the real world today. And so when you get the idea that um, a story you know, a story is written where somebody is wearing a VR goggle and they're being programmed, somebody took that idea and they're testing it on mice first, and then they're going to start testing it on people. You know that's. That's a, a, I I have the feeling or the opinion that that's a very real um, possibility here, and <coughs> oh goodness gracious, um so it's that's one of the, that's one of the reasons why I won't have anything to do with VR. Um, yeah, I I VR is. A lot of people look at it as a form of entertainment, but there's just way too many. There's way too many ideas out there that the government and ne'er do wells in the technology industry are using as their roadmap to figure out how to control people. So if it's written about, and this is going to sound like a like I'm just making an excuse or something, but if it's something popular in uh, in the entertainment industry, and it's about technology, future technology that, quote unquote, hasn't been invented yet. Um, I, you know, when it, it's going to be invented, because that's where we get a lot of, you know, that's where um, we get uh, you know, our our uh, scientists get their ideas. You know, science in science fiction, you know, it, science fiction uh, has become science reality in a lot of ways, and. It, I don't trust a lot of scientists because they, they just, you know, they get locked onto an idea, but they don't think about whether or not they actually should do it or not. Um, it's so it's, I know I'm not explaining myself very well on this, but yeah, there's, there's a lot of good, um, good science that's come out of, uh, 
things like that. You know, a lot of good technology. You know, the cell phone, I think you could pretty much directly trace that back to Star Trek. You know, because the first, uh, that was one of the the first cell phones um, uh, of, of the modern era where it flip open, you know, like what uh, the Star Trek communicators and whatnot. Um, yeah, they're, they're the older, the original technology, yeah, you got you had a uh, you know, big uh, box of batteries and a hens- yeah, headset with a big antenna on it and stuff like that. But, you know, once, uh, once technology caught up and we could start creating the things in the real world today that we see in our forms of entertainment, you know, that becomes life imitating art. And it's... That can be dangerous. That really can be dangerous. And so if, if they're the, uh, <clears throat> the story with the mice, you know, I, I think that's the start of these, you know, a lot of these stories that are, that have begun with um, VR and they're testing it on mice. And I think eventually, you know, all that programming will be inserted into into vr programming or whatever so i don't know i didn't explain this very well i'm tired (laughs) if you have any questions comments suggestions (laughs) uh, give me a give me an email uh send me some caffeine do something i don't know um uh what is my address here i got it wrote down again it's it's still new enough to me i don't have it memorized uh yeah uh shifting gears uh trucking show at gmail.com so if you want to call and tell me don't make any more podcasts you suck if you want to send a message like that feel free (laughs) or if you want to hear more i mean this is great fantastic we love this you're just like adam and john you know i'll take that kind of praise too so (laughs) <laughs> anyway, uh, we are going to get out of here. Um, I do want to take the time to uh, thank um, uh, some people, um, not for sets, but um, people that have uh, inspired me into making my podcast. And it's uh, Darren O'Neill. Uh, and uh, the Darren, o- Darren O'Neill verse is probably the best way to describe it. He's got uh, a whole bunch of... Uh, he's got... Well, let's see. He's got... Uh, uh, he's got his music shows, uh, rock and roll pre-show, um, and then he's got Planet Rage with uh, Larry Blydner and uh, him. He's got uh, Grumpy Old Ben's with uh, him and uh, Ryan um, Bemrose, Sir Ryan Bemrose, and then he's also got um, Unrelenting with uh, Gene Neftuliev. And uh, he's been making noises about wanting to make a V for V uh, music show, but uh, he's still exploring the technology on that. So I don't know whether or not that'll come come about anytime soon. But I want to take uh, and, and thank him and uh, and all of the people that he's involved with because that's uh, that's one of the uh, inspirations for me doing this. I know I need to do better, but eh, well, I don't get around to it. So. And uh, I want to, of course, I want to uh, thank uh, Adam Curry for doing the whole podcasting thing. That's, uh, you know, <laughs> that's a given. Without podcasting or, you know, without the, the, whatever he started back in, you know, 2005 or 2006, that uh, would be, we wouldn't be where we are today. So, 
Anyway, uh, like I said, I'm going to get out of here. Kind of uh, see what um, see what I can do here to get some sleep, so I can get my uh, nap in, so I can make my delivery tomorrow morning. And yep, yeah, I'm tired. <laughs> I've been up. Uh, well, not uh, I, 18 hours now, 19 hours, but it's it's the holiday traffic that just sucks the life out of me. So I am gonna get out of here. Uh, There's something else I was gonna tell you guys, but I forget what it was. Um, all my websites are up and running. The uh, Rolling On Show, or yeah, Rolling On Dot Show is up and running. Um, shifting gears dot show is up and running uh, although I am having a problems with the sats so once again don't uh, don't uh, donate any sats until I get that issue fixed so uh, yep I guess that's it I guess I will sign off here and I will talk to you guys later sayonara this is uh, Sir Truck Driver, and we are going off on our little challenge of nap time here. Have a good one. Bye-bye. <laughs>